How was your How was your session, Kevin? It was good. Yeah, I just had to hit some uh, shoulders and biceps. I just kept the short, good shoulders, and then I'll go back in later today and hit some biceps. Sweet. Double day sessions. You don't need to hit any biceps anyway, Kevin. Your biceps. Oh <laughs> uh, come on. Come on. That's true, man. <laughs> We need, we need, we need to catch up. So don't do biceps, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. So um, I guess we'll just crack into this. I will see where it takes us. Um, I know that I've got probably a few questions that I want to ask Kevin and um, Valentin. I'll let you chirp in whenever you want to chirp in if you've got your own. Um, yes. We'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Cool. cool. Okay, so <laughs> Kevin, a little bit of a wrap up as to. What took you from sort of just getting into the gym, getting into training to, to competing on a natural stage? Just sort of briefly take us through that journey. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I first started, like I trained ever since like I was in the military um, and, you know, just kind of grown from there. Um, but it was actually when I came back, I came back home because I got a job uh, away from home and I came back home and my buddy had done like a cut. And he showed he had like progress pictures from when he very first started to the very end, and I was just like amazed at what he'd done in a matter of you know it was like three months or something, and it just kind of baffled me, and I was like, man, I want to try to do that. And so I kind of started doing like online um, transformation contests, you know, through like through like Muscle Tag and stuff like that, and uh, and everybody's like. Dude, why don't you get on stage? I was like in my, I don't know, probably early 30s at the time. I was doing these transformation contests, and they're like, "Wow, so it's quite a late start." Yeah, pretty late start. I mean, I've been lifting, obviously, yeah. but I just didn't, you know, never thought about doing any bodybuilding shows. I just did it because I loved it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did some on- online uh, transformation contests, and uh, I met some pretty cool guys like uh, Todd Roberts is one of them. Ah, uh, yeah, I think I follow him on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, he's a natural pro as well. Yeah. Um, and he kind of he talked me into it, really. He was like, man, you need to really get on stage. Think about getting on stage. And I had numerous people tell me to do it. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it out, see what happens. Um, and so in 2012 is when I first got on a stage, and that was in Boise, Idaho, at the Northwest Natural. Did you have a coach uh, for that, Karen? What's that? Did you have a coach for that prep? I did not. No, I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, and I, I uh, watched a lot of Lane Norton videos, you yeah. know, and just did my own prep, you know, and uh, it actually turned out pretty good, you know, because I did those transformation contests, so I kind of knew how to how to diet down and, and what I needed to do. Um, of course, you know, the knowledge wasn't there like it is now, of course, yeah. but uh, yeah, I gave it my best go, and uh I entered as a novice, and I showed up, and everybody's like, dude, what are you doing as a novice? I'm like, I've never done a show before. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So uh, everybody's pretty surprised that I was a novice, but because uh, I, I met Brian Mike at that show as well. Okay, cool. And uh, he actually won a pro card at that show, and and we got to talking, and then that's how I got involved with MDMJ after talking to Brian Miner at that show. See, so, see. Yeah. So, so did 3DMJ take you from there? Did you do an off season with them, or, or did you sort of just go for another show in that year? Yeah, I went for another show that year. So I did the spring show at Boise, the Northwest Natural, and then I went to 3DMJ and kind of talked to those guys. Yeah. And 
Then they did my prep right into the fall show at the at uh, at Boise as well. It's the same show, it's just their fall show. I see. And so I, I prepped right into that show, and then I won my pro card at that show. At that fall show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for anyone that that doesn't follow Kevin already, I, I recommend that whilst you're listening, you try and pop up a picture of Kevin on Facebook or Instagram. You got a few somewhere that are quite hidden. You don't share many, um, but I recommend that you pop a picture of Kevin up just so you can get get some context as to how good this guy is. Um, uh, he's a top level natural pro. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend that. Valentin, have you do you wanna take the, the second question? Have you got anything at the top of your head at the moment that you would sort of wanna lead on with to ask Kevin? Yeah, the thing I always wonder about with season competitors is how each season of prepping has changed for you and if it got any easier. Because I don't know how many seasons you've prepped so far. Two thousand twelve was your first year. Yes. So did preps get easier for you over the years? Um, I would say, honestly, they got a little harder because, wow. you know, my conditioning, I think, always gets a little better from show to show. Um, and so the prep for me gets a little bit harder. Um, mm. You know, my actually, my last one, I take that back, though. My last one, when I when I did my pro debut, that one, you know, I got it got kind of rough towards the end, but... It, it wasn't as bad, I guess, as, as before. I felt like I went into it a little easier, you know, and then when I showed up at the actual show, like, it wasn't so stressful, you know, I was kind of prepared and, and kind of ready to go. Um, and I felt like that show was probably my best package to date, I would have to say. Sure, because this is something I always hear with seasoned guys. They usually say that every season is a bit easier, yeah. and yeah. I mean, if you if you can improve every every season, and prep has to get harder in order to get to that to get to get the, to that new level, uh, obviously it has to get harder. But at right. the same time, so much more poised and so much more uh, you have there's so much more routine. You just go by, so um, right. it's just it's easier overall, I guess, because you know what's coming. You know, you know it's gonna. Suck. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know it's gonna suck, but it never. I don't think the suck ever gets harder at the end. You know, it's always, mm. it always gets pretty rough, you know, when you're trying to reach that elite level conditioning. For sure, man. Yeah. It gets hard. Yeah. So, sort of to, to lead off that tangent, Kevin, have you, over your past off seasons, have you, have you tried a variety of approaches with regards to how much weight you sort of push up from your contest weight? And, and have you found now that potentially staying closer to your predicted stage weight has been more favorable as you've accrued the amount of muscle mass that you now have? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because like before, I would go into an off season and not really track at all and wow. just like blow yeah. up, you know, gain like 20, 30 pounds and just get huge. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I did that quite a few times and it's just like, man, you know, there's... It, I mean, that's fine, you know, because you get your strength gains and everything else, and I think that's that's beneficial as well. But when it comes back time to prep, I just feel like if you stay closer, like if you're like 10 pounds or a little more, you know, to stage weight, um, Where are it you just makes, now? Prep, makes prep a lot easier because um, you're close, and then you can yeah. really dial it in at the end and, you know, hit them fine-tuning points to where... Um, you're just there, and you're, you're really dialed in. Yeah, sure. Where, where are you? Where are you at now, Kevin? Kevin, what's your sort of 
what's your weight now with relevance to your previous stage weight and and do you, do you feel comfortable where you're at do you do you, do you find that staying that close to stage weight do you find you still you're still hungry do you find you're still having an element of food focus or do you feel that now your body fat set point has almost changed a little bit to where you feel a little bit more comfortable at that level of body composition in an off season yeah, so I feel a little more comfortable at, at a lower weight. You know, I've, uh, right now I weigh like between 186 and 189. Uh, you know, stage weight, stage weight's probably 180. They, uh, wow. Somewhere on there. Wow. So you're pretty yeah. close. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I stayed pretty, pretty lean and pretty tight, but uh, I don't know. I, I felt like I've done a mini cut before. I've, I've done a mini cut be- going into a contest before, and, and I think that really helped my mentality as far as like strength goes. Because before, you know, I cut down, I get to a weight, and then I really start to feel my strength drop off. Yeah. And I did a I did a mini cut going into a show once, and I got down to like 183 for my mini cut, and then we kind of built back up a little bit. Yeah. And I was able to maintain my strength a little more. And then, I, you know, holding that strength at that weight, yeah. it kind of helped me when I cut back down to maintain that those strength gains. Which, you know, I, I feel like that's uh, a big thing that, to, uh, you know, for your mindset. Because when that starts dropping off, you know, it, gets, it kind of gets hard and, and it's, it's hard to deal with that. Yeah. For me, anyway. I, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting discussion, and I'm sure you know, I think we, we all have very sort of slightly differing views. I know that uh, me and Valentin agree on most things when it comes to gaining um, and sort of how much weight relative we need to push up. Um, me and Valentin, to put this in perspective, uh, I think we're both 30 pounds above our previous stage weight, so we're we're pretty high in terms of relative body mass and where our body compositions are compared to you. But in that in in that retrospect, we're also at a lower level in terms of muscularity. Valentin's probably closer to well, way closer to you than I am. I'm a I'm only just coming out of the juniors into men's open and things like that. So if 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 you were to look back at I know your career kind of started off a bit weird because you essentially accrued a lot of tissue and then competed and then pretty much got a pro card. As opposed to where I'm at, I'm like coming up the ranks and I'm gonna compete, 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 compete until I turn pro, you know, in years to come. So if you were to let's say let's say me like if you were to be me back when you know you were like and uh, you were you and me essentially, what would you do? Would you push up your body weight significantly to gain that initial muscle mass, um, or would you favour staying a little bit leaner so that the preps are easier? What would you do in that sort of younger phase? Yeah, if I was younger, I'd probably stay on the heavier side. Okay, you know? interesting. Yeah. Just because I feel like. You can make, I don't know, I think maybe gains are, are made better there. And, you know, staying lean all the time when you're trying to to gain muscle mass, I don't think it's beneficial at all. Sure, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, always trying to, you know, keep that beach body. And, and you know, it's like, and I think, I think a lot of guys get skewed on that because of social media. You know, you look at all these guys and they're like always lean and have abs and, and, you know, they're always ripped and looking amazing. And it's like, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, that's social media. Like, yeah, yeah. when you want to make your games, I feel like you need to, you know, you need to have those off seasons where, where you don't look like that, you know, and you can make those lean games and be better for your next show. I mean, 
you're just trying to make yourself better. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do, you know, not what everybody else is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree because the thing, the thing, the thing is with getting fluffy, if you get fluffy and you get strong in the process, it's totally fine to get fluffy. But if you just get fluffy and nothing happens as far as progression goes, you're running into some huge problems, man. Because all of a sudden you're like 45 pounds of a stage weight and it's just weak as piss. So that, that's not good, man. So no, that's not good at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially at the beginning of your career. I think the younger guys listening to this, they should definitely um, consider at what level Kevin is at and yeah. what level AJ is at, what level I'm at, and then find basically their level and and consider consider that within their next uh, their next um, months and years of, of training because you just can't copy something what's uh, what an advanced high level bodybuilder is doing when you're like three years into training, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, how how tall are you, Kevin? Out of interest. How what? How tall? How tall are you? Like height? What's oh, your height? I'm I'm like five five nine somewhere. In five nine. So you're not a lot taller than me, and your stage weight is like, you know, <laughs> close to the one eighties. Like if I was to stay relatively close to my stage weight for my entire career, I'd never be a decent bodybuilder because I'd always be a fucking under 150 pound bodybuilder so yeah. younger guys that's what you probably need to take into perspective is that you know kevin didn't compete until he was like what in your 30s right yeah my, yeah, in my so, uh yeah in my younger 30s yeah um, if you if you you know if you'd done this approach when you were 18 19 20 years old you'd have always been a bloody you know 149 150 pound bodybuilder and you'd have never been who you are today um, out of interest, Kevin, when you were like before you competed in bodybuilding, were you competitive in any other sport? Um, no, I, I didn't really do any other sports besides like sports in high school. I didn't really okay. compete in any other sports outside. Wow. So like it just, it, so did you, did you have just a really good passion for the gym up until the age at which you competed? Did you, what, what sort of age did you start like actually lifting weights? Well, I kind of started lifting when I was in high school because we had like powerlifting classes. Ah, you know, I see. so I do those, yeah. and I, I really, I, I really like to go in there. And of course, I'd go in there and lift arms all the time because that was my strong point. You know, how many times <laughs> but, a week did you train arms when you were that age? What's that? <laughs> how many times a week were you training your arms? I don't know. Probably, probably three times a week, like Fuck. an idiot. You know? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Seven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But then, yeah, so, like, after high school, then uh, I went right into the military, and actually, um, you know, to date, those are some of the best gyms I've ever walked into, so I really fell in love with it in the military and just kind of uh, kept after, you know, after I got out and, and uh, you know, built built the physique I had today, obviously, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just had a passion for it when I was young, and so... Um, when I got out of the military and kind of got back into it, it was just like something I love to do. You know, it's kind of a stress reliever and, yeah. you know, kind of fell into it that way. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Were you, were you, what was your body composition like naturally when you were training at that point? Were you, were you more on the lean side? Did you have to sort of really force calories to grow or were you a guy that could, you know, eat not so many calories and, and still gain weight and size fairly, fairly easily? Yeah, no, I was pretty small. So, like, when I was um, in high school, I, I wrestled in high school. And as a freshman, I wrestled at 98 pounds. Uh, when I graduated, I was, like, 135 pounds. Wow. Uh, Jesus. And then when I went in the military, I, I gained, you know, I probably gained up to, like, 150. 
and then just kind of progressively went from there. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been like a, it's usually harder for me to game. So I kind of have to force the calories, you know, cause my off seasons now it's like <clears throat> my calories are so high that, you know, I just have to force that food in to, to maintain my weight really. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's cause at the moment you're, you know, despite your body weight not being crazy high, you know, there are obviously bodybuilders out there, 200 plus pounds. Um, your level of musculature, like your, your level of muscularity at this stage is extremely high. So, you know, the, the calories that are fueling that on a daily basis are obviously going to be high too, com- combined, combined with the fact that obviously from a past metabolism standpoint, you sound like someone that just requires a lot of calories to grow, um, which is interesting. Well, I, think, uh, I hope I hope people I hope people realize that a natural bodybuilder at 180 is something crazy. quite yeah it's crazy it's quite impressive I mean uh, that that's that's big right I mean we hear all these numbers like 200 pounds 225 pounds but but if you're talking about somebody who's natural 180 on stage and if you've ever seen somebody in person being 180 in, in contest shape that's freaking crazy man that's that's amazing. Yeah, people don't understand because, like, one, you know, 180 sounds pretty light, you know, but, like, it's different when you're completely shredded to the bone, you know? I yep. mean, it's, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. And, see, and I mean, I've seen guys like pros, you know, when I did the Muscle Mayhem in 2013, you know, you've seen guys 190, 200 pounds. It's, like, just crazy. Like, how the heck do you get that big? You know, it's just, yeah. it's madness. But, yeah, it's pretty cool to see, though, the freaks out there. Sure. Yeah. What what are your what are your next plans, Kevin? In terms of because we won't we won't hold you too long. Are we okay? We're twenty minutes in. Um, what's your next plans in terms of sort of competitive endeavors? Have you got plans to step back on stage anytime soon? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it um, too much. You know, I've always I've always had goals and dreams of standing on certain stages. You know, the Yorton being one of them, um, obviously, and the Worlds as well. Um, those have always been my all-time goals. Which so, ones? WMBF or IPE or? Uh, yeah, probably WMBF. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, those have always been my long-term goals. Um, I haven't really thought about like doing it. Obviously, not this year. You know, maybe next year. I don't know. We'll we'll see kind of how it plays out and see how my off seasons go. And you know, I still like to make some things before I. I step on a stage like that. I always like to be over prepared for shows, and so I feel like if I can make the very games in order to compete with some of the guys that I've seen on those big stages, um, then we'll give it a go. But and until then, I want to I want to keep uh, making those games and and making myself a better competitor. Sure, sure, good. Um, in terms of your your level of conditioning is is like up there with the best um now a lot, a lot of people will say that you know sometimes they struggle to get in condition and obviously we know that you staying relatively close to your contest weight at this stage is one of the factors that does help you get there and uh, just help you achieve that level of conditioning but in the past when you've had to sort of really dig deep on that on that mental level what have you found have been the biggest tools that have helped you in those really dark stages of prep where you don't particularly want to train, you don't want to do your expenditure, you want to eat more. Um, what do you find sort of keeps you going in those phases? So anyone listening to this who's potentially in the final stages of a prep can think, right, I'm going to go and fucking action that right now in my prep. Yeah. Um, I just think always kind of keeping your eye on the goal, you know. I mean, 
you know, like for, for my pro debut, I want to go in there and really play top three, you know, and I feel yeah. like if you can constantly keep your mind on that goal, I mean, the struggle, you know, you're always going to be in a struggle and a prep no matter what. And so if you can really focus on that goal and what you want to show up to do, um, I think that's imperative, you know, and that'll get you through those dark times. Um, you know, prep gets hard, of course, for everybody, but, you know, if you can just kind of focus and really, it really uh, kind of keep your eye on the prize, I think that that always helps. I mean, this is something what, what I mentioned earlier. I think every time you do a prep, the next prep gets a bit easier just for the fact because you know what's going to come. So right. maybe maybe you have to prep longer. Maybe you have to uh, lose more weight or whatever. But um, you know you know what's coming, and that right. that helps. Yeah, sure. that absolutely does help. Yeah. Kevin, from a nutritional approach uh, perspective, I know that you worked with 3DMJ in the past and you know, you've done your own preps also. Now, obviously, 3DMJ in, in essence are definitely favoring of the, the, the more flexible approach, i.e. tracking your macros and, and fitting a variety of foods into your diet. Now, for you, what, what has tended to work in terms of structure when you're dieting do you like eating the same foods consistently day in, day out? Or are you more favorable in, in, in the essence of adding in foods, like large variety of foods? So thinking at the end of the day, I've got this amount of carb, fat, protein to hit, let's put together something. Or are you someone that prefers regimented structure? Um, when I'm in, obviously when I'm in prep, I, I, I prefer the structure. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like... Uh, you know, the less variables, the better. Um, yeah. And it just makes it a little more simple, you know. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to come to the end of the day and you're like, oh, I got 100 grams of protein and 20 grams of fat and, That's you know, ice cream. 50, 50 carbs. What am I going to throw together? You know, yeah. I don't I don't like that. I don't like flying by the seat of my pants like that when it comes to prep. So if I can have it a little more structured during prep, I think it's good. And I think it's beneficial for me anyways. Um but, you know, like on, on, on repeat days and stuff like that, sometimes I, you know, have a huge variety of food that I would eat just because it was a repeat day and, you know, you want to crush those carbs, you know. But other than that, um, yeah, structure for me is, is good and I prefer it that way. Off season, do you relax a little bit more? Do you, I mean, I know that you're going out today, you've got, you've got lunch, things like that. So I think people like hearing that a, that a professional does relax a little because some mm -hmm. people think that as a professional you must – eat chicken and rice all day every day and that's what dedication requires you know so in the off season do you tend to relax a little bit from structure and involve more variety in eating out into your, into your plans oh absolutely yeah my so my off seasons um you know it's it's like you know once a week my wife and i'll go on date night and we'll go and eat dinner and have some drinks and and stuff like that so you know it's 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 a lot more loose on my off seasons yeah great. and you know i think I think that helps balance a little more in life as well. I mean, if you're constantly structured, you know, even when it comes time to the off season, dude, that's a lot of work. You know, if you're constantly, you know, weighing out your food and, and everything else, that's a lot of work. And, and that takes its toll on, on your family life as well, because, you know, that, that balance isn't there. And I think balance is huge when it comes time, you know, when it comes to like your family and everything else, um, you need to have that balance in life. And, if you can't let loose a little bit in the off season, I mean, I kind of feel sorry for you, really, because um, 
you know, it's it's not much of a life to live when you're constantly structured out. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Cool. Yeah. Well, Valentin, have you got anything left to sort of leave or ask Kevin before we let him go and get to his uh, lunch arrangements? Yeah, I probably have one more question regarding training. And with yeah. you being more on the muscular side and very advanced, um, have you found that strength goes down quite a bit during prep? And if yes, did you change your training or did you just go ahead and take the hits basically in training? Yeah, so like before um, – before, like when I did that mini cut into that into that prep, that one prep that I did, like I would notice my strength gains fall off quite a bit once I'd hit like a certain body weight, and I just take the hits. You know, it was kind of hard to deal with, but I just took the hits. Um, but after I did that mini cut, like I found like my strength, and I don't know if it was like a mental thing or what, but I found like my strength went better through those lower weights. And so, um, like for my last show, I felt like my strength was always, you know fairly good until like the last you know maybe two or three weeks and it fell off a little bit of course but yeah i just take those hits and, and just deal with it i mean you know I'm, I'm not a i'm not a big ego lifter so it really doesn't affect me that much because i know i'm still training as hard as i can with with what i have to to deal with sure yeah i think i really think this is something people need to hear because um i recently posted the doug miller video like 11 days out of the orton 2014 and he's like he's like he's like destroying things and he's like 11 days out so that's not yeah. a common guy so don't expect that to happen during your prep no absolutely not yeah you can't you can't look at the freaks when you're in your deep into prep you know that's right <laughs> cool well, Kevin, like, uh, massively appreciate your time, dude. <clears throat> really good to have a chat, and obviously, we hope that this brings you, a, a, well, at least brings the awareness to yourself and, and what you're doing, and hopefully in your future preps, you'll have a, a few more of myself and Valentin's little gang following your, your happenings and what you're doing. Um, I know that you, you don't post too frequently on social media, but I see you on Instagram definitely getting more frequent, so please... Stay frequent because we like seeing your shit. <laughs> um, awesome, I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so we'll let you crack on with uh, the rest of your day, dude. Thanks very much for your time as usual, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you, thank you both. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Thanks, Kevin. See you in a bit. Yeah, see you in a bit. Day. I guess before we get into a little bit answering some questions or whatever we usually do, we'll just wrap sure. up what we thought of of that. Uh, with Kevin, which was great. That was awesome, I thought. Um, yeah. One one thing that I really took home from that is what I was actually talking to, uh, and I know that you follow him as well, Mark Claxton, who's a DFAC pro. He listens to these as well, so he'll definitely be listening. Um, we were chatting about sort of how he approaches things, and I was also asking him how he approached it when he was my age because he's a junior, and at this stage, there's lots of things going through my head. I'm like am I too heavy? Should I be a bit lighter? Should I be pulling back now? Should I be pushing? There's loads of things going in my head, loads of different opinions too. You know, there's plenty of people out there will say, AJ look great, keep fucking going, keep gaining, keep gaining. And there's some, some other people that will say, ah, you could do with a pullback, you could, you could hold your strength. And there's so many different opinions. What me and Mark were talking about is the fact that in all of my preps recently, over recent years, I have significantly pushed forward my strength with these gaining phases, massing phases, whatever you want to call them, which is superb and has resulted in definite tissue accrual, 
because uh, my last off season was a year. I did one mini cut throughout that phase, and that was about a ten pound drop. Um, in that phase, I definitely did lose strength because I wasn't so adherent with holding on to strength. I didn't really know about that process as much in that phase, which would have been benef- beneficial to know. But what we were saying essentially is that would it be better, me and Mark, for me to try to hold what I've got now at a slightly lighter body weight, hold that and then prep from there as opposed to having so much to lose initially and then see a large reduction in strength and potentially muscle mass as a result. So it's just, I think it was interesting to hear what Kevin said about the fact that over the time of staying closer to stage weight, granted his level of muscularity is, is massive, but over the time of staying close to stage weight, his relative strength is far better. So I guess the amount of fat that we're accruing has got to be looked upon as, is this beneficial fat that we're adding? So is it becoming, uh, 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 is it is it helping us gain strength? You know, so yes. like, yeah, the, the, last, the last, I think, five pounds that I've gained most recently has seen a huge increase in my pushing strength. Um, so it, it, it always begs the question, you know, if I lost that five pounds, would I still have this pushing strength? Would I still be able to hold on, hold on to it or would it go again? Um, but yeah, so what's your, what's your sort of opinions on that, Val? Because I know at the moment you're, you know, you're, you're still pushing. You've probably got a mini cut in the next, I don't know, two to three months probably maybe, mate. I'm not sure what your plans are, but I know that you said you were initially maybe going to mini cut, but you just pushed it onwards because you're feeling good and you're making good yeah. progress. So w- what's your sort of opinions on that and where are you at? Yeah, the thing you just mentioned is, with especially with guys your age and guys at your level, yeah. um, the thing is most, very often guys push towards, push the boundaries, they get stronger, they push towards a new body weight, yeah. and they get maybe a little bit fluffy, yeah. and then they get scared. And... W- you should not get scared. You should have. You should hang out at that body weight for a couple of weeks and see how things settle. Maybe a couple of months and see how things settle. See how your how your lifts maintain or if you can push them out further, and then decide if you're gonna cut or not. Because uh, I can guarantee, if you mini cut now, your pushing strength is going down the hill. Um, and so you just want to hang out at the body weight push your strength up even further and um, marinate those gains basically and then come back later and yeah. see how, how how your conditioning is and if you need a mini cut. But I'm usually one of those people, if you can push up your lifts and you get a little bit fluffy in the process, that's good. That's totally fine. But if you just get fluffy and nothing happens in training, um, that's a huge, huge problem. Yeah. So I've seen this myself, um, for myself in the last couple of months and weeks. Um, actually, I look quite different now with this body weight than like a month ago because my body just like I lost some water, I lost a little bit of fat. Like there's been a little bit of recomp going on. Yeah, you look good. I'm sorry? Yeah, you look good. You look good at this body weight. Yeah, yeah. And and it just, I, I feel great. So there's no mini cut needed, even though we thought like two or three weeks ago we, we have to mini cut right now. Yeah. So we can push it another two or three months and Cliff wants me to be around 204 pounds before we mini cut. And I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm not afraid to look a bit fluffier now yeah. to look so much better on stage in 2020. And I think you have to think long term and accept those phases and those those periods of time where you are not beach ready and where you just just are a bit heavier 
Sure. And not no, super pretty. pretty. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for the most part, I agree with you on that sense. Um, in some instances, I have a slightly differing opinion purely because I do like when I'm in gaining phases in the moment. Like the past gaining phase that I've had, the thing that I've really enjoyed about it is, a, is assertive weight gain. I've done the whole 0.2 pounds minuscule weight gain over the course of a long period of time and essentially just done fuck all in the process and like gain no strength or gain minimal strength or held my strength what I've liked about the ability to sort of like you know I've taken from November to now pretty much that's 27 ish weeks and I've gained a, a, a total of 33 pounds over 27 mm. weeks so that's that's a that's a decent weekly rate. That's a that's a lot of weight to be gaining. Um, it's much faster than the recommended uh, amount. However, you've got to look at it as coming from pre contest. I appreciate that. But in in essence, I I do I do like the idea of, of gaining at that sort of more appreciable rate and understanding that if I am going to be gaining weight, I'd like to see it on the scale. Um, so over the over the past couple of months month and a half I've done pretty much exactly what you just stated in terms of holding a body weight and as you can see by all my training everything's fucking gone up so yeah. you don't have to necessarily consist this is what I said in my story the other day you don't have to consistently search for a number on the scale going up for you to understand that you know things are happening in the gym if 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 the if, if your body fat levels are high enough and your calories are at a point where they're appreciable and you're not losing significant weight, you can still create a, a, a hyper, um, a, an environment for hypertrophy. You know, you're, yes. you're not, you're not, you're not going to suddenly dwindle away or anything like that by sitting at maintenance or around maintenance calories as opposed to what I was previous in, which was a large surplus, you know, to be getting that one pound a week. So that's what I've essentially done over the, over this week. I've started to sit more at a maintenance level of caloric intake. I've seen some water weight come off, which is kind of nice. Um, I definitely hold body fat way fucking less favorably than you do. You know, I, I don't have abs right now, but I have a striated quad. Like, what the hell is that going on? I don't know why. You know, my legs yeah. at this body weight last time were fat as hell, Val. Like, fat as hell. You know, it's like, a sport yeah. for men's physique, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a, cl <laughs> I don't have a clue. Because um, on the way down, I'd say that, I'd say, why can't I do men's physique? Because my upper body was peeled and my legs were fat. So I was like, I could legit put the chunks on now and be really ready. But if I had to show my lower body, they'd be like, whoa, he needed a good three months there. Um, mm. So, yes, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And I think over the, I think over the next sort of, month or so i'll definitely see my body fat levels distribute a bit more because they have been um it's been it's weird it's been weird it's been a lot of my hips a lot of my torso my midsection and i've never really had that before i think we mentioned mm -hmm. this in maybe a previous podcast i'm not sure but i've never really had that body fat gain before so i don't know this is it's an interesting one to to discuss there but that's sort of where i'm at currently um, and then you're, you're sort of eating s similar calories at the moment, aren't you? And sort of continuing to push to that 204 mark and, and then going from there. And you also had a really cool push session today as well. Talk about that. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, so calories are right around four thousand one hundred, and Cliff wants me to maintain. Yeah, uh, Cliff wants me to maintain that until next week, and then we might have to push it up again. Appetite hasn't been too great lately, so I really have to really have to make my food as tasty as possible. I mean, still the same status as we last time talked because I, I just struggle with certain 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 periods of time. I just struggle. There's certain days where I just can't get any food down, and I have to because uh, otherwise I don't survive training. So. Um, yeah, so my training session today was really good. I trained with Kevin Schutz, and he's a competitor in the PCA and NABA, and he's he's very strong, um, even though he don't consider himself strong because he wants to get to another level. But um, yeah, we did a push session, and Kevin hoisted up the 70 kg dumbbells for six reps, so that was really impressive to see, and it just shows you once again um, how how far you can go and it's it shows you every single time you train with very very strong people and it's just a lot of fun and you just feel like you just feel weak as shit man when you train next to somebody like that but yeah very motivating and i hope we can get more sessions in together yeah yeah for sure i i, I follow kevin online i think i followed him since he did the jp show with the pca um yeah and he looked fucking sick like he, he had like straight to glutes hamstrings were in <laughs> he's yeah. one of those one of those sort of athletes that definitely brings a, a, a very very cool physique to the stage with great conditioning which is pretty rare in most federations at the moment to sort of see that being brought to the stage consistently so um yeah. what's he doing agree, at the moment? is he off season I'm sorry. Is he off season at the moment, or is he? Planning He's off season. Yeah, I think he plans on competing like spring 2019, something like that. Sure. Um, because he he has to he has to push calories so high high he just gets sick of eating. Uh, he told me just I mean he's drinking iced tea all day long because he just has to get the, those carbs in somehow. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, he actually competed against Sam Watts during yes, that. Is, yeah. That PCA show, which is quite funny to see Sam up there with with those guys, yeah. and but he held his own and took third, and Kevin took second. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, really, really impressive guys, and very, very inspiring to train to with somebody like that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I, I think we got I got a few I got one DM with a couple of questions this morning when I asked for any questions. So I'll just try and bring sure. that one up. I had a few ideas as well, but they're in my notes on my laptop and I don't want to bring it up just in case it kills the recording. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, I had a question from Rock Hard Fitness and he says, what what's more important for each of you? Holding the peak contraction of the movement or controlling the eccentric more with no hold at the top? So no, no hold at the top but more eccentric or holding the top with less eccentric? I guess so. I guess he's talking about options. yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. He get he's talking about essentially probably peak contraction versus eccentric loading. Uh, and he also commented on the fact that Jordan Peters likes controlling the eccentric more. And I see that me that I do a combination. Um, interesting. What's your what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, well, I think you should always control the eccentric, no matter what exercise, no matter what you're training for, no matter what training level you're at. I mean, controlling the eccentric is something that's like, that's basic stuff that you just do to stay injury free and get the most out of every rep. As far as peak contraction goes, 
Um, it really depends on the exercise. It really depends on the angle. It really depends. For example, if you're using cables, the way you set yourself up um, depends if you're getting a peak contraction, if it's even possible. And also with exercise selection, I mean, you're not really getting a peak contraction in like dumbbell presses so because there's not much tension there going on. So it really depends on the exercise, but as far as controlling the eccentric, always control your eccentric, especially with your compound movements. The heavier you go, the more control you want to you wanna use on your eccentrics. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that uh, I see a lot of the time people really dumping the eccentrics on a lot of movements, especially in favor for progressive overload. So, you know, you're looking at your logbook, you're thinking, I've got this amount with this weight last time, and you're thinking, how am I going to progress that? You know, it's just looking unfavorable in my chances of progressing this weight. So instead of keeping form immaculate, you choose to fasten up your eccentrics, use stretch reflex or whatever to try and progress the load that we've we've got to remember that standardizing your execution from the get-go and then progressing from there so you're not applying progressive overload when you're essentially changing the stimulus so you yeah. know, the, the, the exercise selection and the way that you perform those movements is your stimulus you keep that standardized throughout progressive overload principle um, and then you'll 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 grow very well. But you know, I, I think uh, there, like you said, there are some exercises where peak contractions are, are harder to gain, and there's other exercises which also comparative to, to the setup of the machine that that will enable you to sort of get a peak contraction better. You know, some leg extensions are horrible; you can barely get peak contraction because of the way they're set up. But some other leg yeah. extensions. I uh, like that Strive one that I sent you the other day. They're like they're fucking awesome. You can just go all day on them and get great contractions. So um, yeah, that's that. And then he did have another question. He said, discuss the uh, the ideal proportions for stepping on stage as a physique competitor versus a bodybuilder. Um, which I know that you've got some physique guys. I've got some physique guys too. So it's sort of it's a good question. We'll probably answer this. He also said. At my show back in 2016, I was told my shoulders were too capped for men's physique. And that was an IFBB, okay. IFBB South Africa show. Too capped okay. for men's physique. Hmm, that's interesting, man. Because, I mean, capped shoulders are one of the requirements, in my opinion, for men's yeah, physique. So as, as far as as far as far other requirements go, I mean, a very symmetrical midsection. I mean, the way your abs look for men's physique is just crucial. Um, I mean, if you look at... Yeah, if you look at like Jay Cutler abs, I wouldn't consider those men's physique abs. They're not they're not ideal. They're not super symmetrical. I mean, they look very impressive during certain poses for for bodybuilding, but for men's physique, the abs are so so important and in the focus that they just have to be picture perfect. So like you want to have next ejection abs. So the other thing is I like to see a long th- uh, torso with the person, and um, because you look very sh- if you're very short and sucky, you look like it doesn't look good for men's physique, man. I mean, even if you are conditioned and if you are muscular, it just doesn't fit with the class, in my opinion. So um, that with a certain shoulder to waist ratio and a very very prominent V taper are things that I would consider very important. For for men's physique, along with capped delts, <laughs> I don't know what they were yeah. judging, but capped delts are perfect for men's physique. I mean, yeah, they're p- basically perfect for any class. So yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, unless he's been like injecting synthol into his medial doubts, then <laughs> yeah, <don't laughs> I can I can I can expect they might have some comments on that. But naturally, capped get capped out. So they like I think they essentiate that taper and they make those front shots which MPD guys hit. They make them look awesome in that front relaxed kind of shot. The side shot makes more taper through the obliques into the waist. Like everything looks sick with a cap with caps to your to your delts. Um, one thing to add on that is that I actually had a client that went to a posing seminar with the UK UK Federation and they were sort of saying to him, you know, you're very, very good, but one more off season and you won't be physique anymore. You know, you can't gain any more muscle, otherwise you'll get marked down. I think that the idea behind men's physique, especially within natural feds, is that you cannot be too big because there has to be disparity between a men's physique competitor and a bodybuilder competitor. So the, the idea of the class is to make it more of an attainable look. Uh, still, you know, for the large large population, it's not really an attainable look because the conditioning is still yeah. very, very high, as is some level of the muscularity. But in essence, you know, you can't be fucking huge because you're just you know like imagine Sam Watt and Trunks you know you're not <laughs> you're not yeah, you're, sure. you're not gonna have that happen so um it's uh or board shorts not Trunks that's bodybuilding um, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. but yeah like you you can't be too muscular and I think that having a really good development to your upper chest would be something that I'd like to see as well because that just again like if you see like people like Bondia, like who's very like he's a men's physique Olympia, like his upper chest is just absolutely off the charts. Um, so so yeah, I think those sort of requirements when it comes to men's physique is is key. Um, right. So have you got anything else that you recently got asked to talk about that you want to sort of talk about or anything? Like came to your DMs recently that you specifically thought, oh, that looks interesting. Um, yeah, one question that stuck out was the one: if you want to incorporate Romanian deadlifts for your hamstrings mainly, and regular deadlifts, floor deadlifts, how would you incorporate them in your training week? And I've talked about this in the past, and I like this question a lot because it's um, it's certainly becoming an issue if you get. To a certain strength level, because let's say you do uh, you do RDLs on Tuesday and you want to do deads on Friday, and that's going to be problematic, especially a week after. You only have three days to recover from your deadlift session, and your lower back is still fried, and then you want to do RDLs again on, on Tuesday. That's going to be an issue. Yeah. So, um, how do how would you go about it? And then I'll just share my few points. Yeah. So I think the. The differences in low back recovery capabilities are high, so you're going to have different individuals that can handle a lot more and a lot less. So I had a client yeah. called Andrew who could recover from doing uh, deadlifts, stiff leg deadlifts, um, a rack pull, and a squat all in the same week, and he was wow. absolutely fine, no issues whatsoever. And he's probably wow. the, the yeah, like the the top echelon of low back recovery capability. And funnily enough, his erectors are thick as anything. So, add, add those things up. Um, but yeah, in terms of how I program it for myself, I would look to... Val, you're still there. You've frozen on my end. Oh, dear. oh I got you back. You there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm back. here. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, in terms of how I program it for myself, I would look towards 
um, trying to fit my um, my my deadlift. Uh, ideally, the way that I like to do it is that my deadlift comes after my more quad dominant leg day, and then I have some days to recover before a more hamstring dominant leg day, in which an RDL will feature. Um, so. Uh, that's the way that I set it up. I mean, you could look at. I think. I think I've seen the way that you kind of do it. You sort of. You have squats and deadlifts sometimes on the same day. Um, I've personally tried that, and I just simply don't have the capacity to be able to do that. I don't. I haven't met many individuals that can do that either on a frequent basis. So, can, yeah. congrats to you. Um, but yeah, serious. I. I think that. Uh, also, I think for me, it's come down to a very low volume approach to my deadlifting. So I would mm. literally do two or three sets of a deadlift per week. That is it. Um, I mm. see some people and I've tried it myself, do four or five sets on a deadlift. And I, I simply cannot be recovering from that amount of work and then expect to RDL later in the week. So yeah. a low volume deadlift approach, a more quad dominant leg day and a more hamstring dominant leg day is how, how I set it up personally. Yeah, I really like that, man, and um, I do something similar. Um, something else to consider is if you want to incorporate RDLs and regular deadlifts in your training week, um, don't just look at those two lifts in isolation, but also look at all your other movements, like your rowing movements that stress the lower back, and you could swap them out for all chest-supported uh, variations or machine variations. That would be another very good way to approach this because then you save your lower back just for RDLs and just for deadlifts and maybe some squats. And all your rowing is on machines. You're using cables. You're using uh, chest-supported machines. And by doing that, you save so much um, fatigue with your lower back that you're fresh for your RDL and your deadlift session. And, um, I mean, the stronger and stronger you get, the less frequently you can deadlift. I mean, you just ask somebody who's really strong, they like deadlift every two weeks or something like that. And that's enough. So um, you can only do that a certain amount of time before you just have to scale back your, your, your deadlift frequency. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Cool. Wicked. So um, have you got any plans over the coming weeks? I think you've got a couple of competitors coming up to their shows. Uh, Where are you off to? Are you going to spectate? Yeah, I'm going out to the Czech Republic tomorrow. Um, I have two men's physique guys competing at the INBA PNBA World Championships. And they will also have a pro portion there. So I will watch some of the pros. Um, I don't know how... Who's going to come? I think some guys from the US are going to come. And I've seen the schedule, and there are like eight guys in the pro bodybuilding uh, uh, portion of the show. So I'll see, I will see if there are some high-level competitors there. And my two guys are still amateurs in that, uh, in that uh, federation, so we'll see, we'll see where we land. But they're both very competitive, and I just can't wait to see them on stage, man. That's, cool. that's good. Do you fly yeah. or do you drive to the Czech Republic? Uh, we can drive. It's like a 90-minute drive, so it's super oh, easy. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a no-brainer to go. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. And will you train out there or are you taking a few days off over the competing weekend? How are you going to schedule that? Uh, I will keep it pretty pretty flexible because I don't know how much time we have between like pre-judging and finals and if it's very stressful. But if we can, we might get a training session in. Just have to find a, a good gym there and then um, I will be back to my regular schedule on Sunday. Sure. 
Awesome stuff. Yeah. So yeah, similar similar scenario with me. I haven't got a show this weekend. I've got a client competing though, which is kind of like a last minute client, which I haven't talked about yet. So um, this will go up today, tonight. So, um, but I'm not going to mention his name, but he's very fucking good, and I'm excited <laughs> to see how how he gets on. He's a junior, so he's doing the um, the BNBF Scottish this weekend. Unfortunately, nice. as it was. As I've only worked with him for his for his final week, but hope it, hopefully I'll work for him for the rest of the, for the rest of the year now, and we'll take him to the finals, um, which would be great. But because I've only worked with him for his final week, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go because Scotland is legit. That's like a, a plane ride from here. So um, I'd have loved to have gone, but you know, enough, if, if I'd have been working with him for for, for a longer time, I'd have definitely gone to that one because I like watching the shows. Um, but yeah, that's 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 this weekend. So I'll be nervously awaiting his his result on that because I I personally think he's he's going to take it. So I've got that, and then the weekend after that, I'm in rugby with the UK DFBA. So if there's anyone there, please come and say hi, or um, yeah, just uh, come up and grab me for an image or give me a black coffee, one of the two. And, and I know you like your monster. I'm, like, I'm a black coffee guy. Um, I know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got that. And also got some – I had a phone call with the uh, with Lee, Lee Camp, who runs the UK, the FBA. Um, we had a really cool conversation about some ideas that we got rolling for um, essentially some content, some video-style nice. content of the shows. So – that's that's under wraps a little bit as well, but anyone that listens to this gets a little bit of an inside view into the into what we're doing, so you can have that this week. So that's very exciting, and that'll be uh, that'll be some cool stuff for for UK bodybuilding if we we manage to get some cool stuff running there, which and it will be great for me as well. So that's very exciting, um, and then yeah, outside of that, just. Continuing, continuing on, and uh, really enjoying these podcasts. I'm sure everyone else is as well. I'm pretty sure uh, I got a good few messages as to where the fuck was last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, same for me, man. Yeah, so um, so we'll, we'll 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 stay consistent with these. I now actually am aware of the time difference between us as to <laughs> after yes, many sir. conversations of, and and uh, basically miscommunication between me and Martin. <laughs> Because we're, yeah. uh, I mean, what do we expect? We lift weights. Come on. <laughs> All we do is eat, sleep, and train. We don't. We don't have any communication skills. <laughs> yeah. Come on, right. social skills. What the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> cool guys. So, have you got anything else left to add, Valentin? Apart from, that's it. No, guys. Train your ass off, and see you next week. <laughs> cool guys. All right. Thanks for listening. As usual, make sure you sort of uh, screenshot us as you usually do. Add us to the to the old stories, tag us in it. We love sharing them. We basically, the day after it's released, have a, a, a spam story of just other people watching our podcast. Oh, hell yeah. Various and food items and, and coffees <laughs> and monsters and chicken and rice. <laughs> so, yeah, cool, guys. Um, I think we should also do, like, if you tag us in one of those stories, the best most intricate one that stands out to us both we'll try and mention it on the next book po- ne- next podcast so if you do something really special like if you're in a different city and you manage to get us in some like weird way in some different shit then the most impressive one we'll try and mention just so we give something back to the uh the, the fans <laughs> sounds good man sounds good cool right cheers guys for listening and we'll see you next week in a bit <laughs>